<laughs> Live on digital media from the vast and spacious VPod TV studios in beautiful Oak Brook, Illinois, just steps from Butler National Golf Course, where men are men and women don't exist. It's the weekly wrap with your host, broadcasting legend Bruce Wolf, and his trusty sidekick, former Liberty Magazine editor. Breitbart contributor Tim Slagle and today's special guest broadcasting legend in our own right and afternoon host on WCPT 820 in Chicago Joan Esposito and now without further ado Bruce Wolf hello again everybody or hello for the first time I gotta tell you this set Tim it's better than the set that we had on Barely Today, which was the show that I did on Channel 5. You know, they have the Today Show, and then before that, they have Early Today, the local show. And so we had the first 4.30 in the morning show. It was called Barely Today. I kid you not. And, I mean, the cardboard set, I was hoping that it would fall on me so that I could file a workers' comp action <laughs> so I could get paid more money than I did at Channel 5. But, yeah. So, I mean, this is, hey, this is state like, of the art. looks like every comedy club stage I played in the really? 90s. You, so you are a stand-up comedian, That's which is unbelievable because that terrifies me, the very idea of standing up some people and, and say telling it's worse. Jokes. Some people say it's worse than skydiving for them, that they oh, would rather well, jump out of a plane. Right, than, than without a parachute. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I, the thing is, is I, I cannot be, see, I always feel that I've been funny in, like, you're funny when you're belching in a church. I was a funny sportscaster. <laughs> well, yeah, what does it take? It's a low bar. Uh, so I'm, you know, funny for you know, certain situations. But when you're standing there and people are paying, like, upwards of, I remember back of the castaways in Miami Beach in 66, like $1.50 a drink. You know, it, it's, uh, you got to be funny yeah. or they start heckling you. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a different thing. The difference between comedy and theater, somebody tells me, is what, when you uh, when you get silence from the theater audience, it means you've done something really good. <laughs> when you're a comic... It means, Definitely. it means you're in trouble. <laughs> hey, th th this is a political show, so let's you know dovetail uh, with that. Uh, I believe that pr uh, President Trump should have pardoned Louis C.K. Uh, and <laughs> he hasn't come back. And I loved his show. Uh, you know, I, and it was all about stand up. I figure that's probably a busman's holiday for you, though. You, you probably didn't watch what, it. Watching Louis about stand-up, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. a little too real, and that depressed me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, you yeah. know, when he... That's why uh, Orange is the New Black is too real for me, because I was a lesbian in a prison. <laughs> and uh, I wasn't one of the attractive ones. Uh, is uh, Orange is the New Black, is that still on TV? It may as well be, because my wife and I just started watching it. It's seven seasons, okay? And it jumped the shark in season three. Yeah. And we still are watching it. And just to turn it political right now, there's a point where this very dikey uh, lesbian, as opposed to the... Wait, there's lesbians in this? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, man. Anyway, she's trying to explain to a woman who's had six abortions. Hey, we hit abortion four minutes into it. I mean, this is controversial. <laughs> she's trying to explain to this woman who had six abortions and was planting crosses with the names of their children that would have been in a, in a garden, uh -huh. how it's much better off that their kids weren't born because they would have become criminals. And she tries to explain this book called Freakonomics that came out about 20 years ago. <laughs> have you ever heard of Freakonomics? Yeah. Okay, so Freakonomics was this University of Chicago guy that came up with this idea that they showed that the crime rate dropped 
like about 18 years after Roe versus Wade, right. which would show that because those people weren't born, thank God they weren't born, we, the crime rate dropped. Now, there's a lot of problems. See, I, w- I, I wanted, you know, the Tim Scott rebuttal time for uh, <laughs> on, on Orange is the New Black. Say, hey, wait a minute here. There's a lot of things wrong with Freakonomics. Uh, yeah, the, for one thing, the crime rate actually went down among the older cohort of people, not among people who would have been about like Roe versus Wade age. Uh, there, there were other things too, but you don't get you don't get to have a disclaimer. You don't get to argue. Yeah, with yeah it. but yeah, but the thing is, you know, if your mom's in prison, there's a pretty good chance you're going to be a criminal. So, yeah. So yeah. you know, free economics aside, she might have had a point. Yeah. Well. Oh no, no. <laughs> there, there was mothers and daughters in prison. Oh, there. Oh, it's a great show. Yeah. yeah. And they just show just the right amount of nudity. Uh, you I know, made it and, through about two seasons. Oh, you it, did. It was amazing to me that you could make a boring series about women in prison. Oh, you were bored by it. <laughs> about season two. Really? About season two, I got Yeah, really, see, I mean, really. maybe it's because my wife and I, because of COVID, I think the co- we use COVID as an excuse. It's, we weren't going to do anything anyway. <laughs> I, f- I forget all the series. We rewatched Breaking Bad. Huh. And that was like, it feels like it's 10 years ago that we rewatched it, but it was just during all this COVID. We watched Peaky Blinders, which I totally, for, I've forgotten all these series, but right now we're in Orange is the New Black, and I really feel like I'm wasting my time with it, but, I, but we can't <laughs> stop watching it. Hey, so I'd be remiss because today, and I know this is supposed to be timeless, but, but today is the 10th anniversary of what? Do you know? No clue. Um, Osama bin Laden killed. Oh, wow. And you know who was against that that mission? Joe Biden. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the president of the United States. I mean, so the question then, which I really wanted to you know, devote this entire segment to, but we're almost out of time here, is, uh, is Joe Biden a douche? And uh, agree or disagree? <laughs> I don't. I don't know anymore. I don't know what he is. He reminds me now of like when you used to rent a DVD that would have a spot of jelly on it. <laughs> And you'd stick it in the player and everything would go fine for about five minutes. And all of a sudden it just started going, I got hairy legs. Well, you know, it's it's a compliment to compare him to a DVD, though. I would say it's like a 78 RPM record on a gramophone. Uh, Joe Biden has been wrong about practically every foreign policy thing. He's... I mean, just do the opposite of what Joe Biden uh, believes in. He was at uh, the first Iraq war. He was wrong. Uh, he voted for the second Iraq war. I still I never play, uh, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty on these things. I think it's fine. You know, if people were for the second Iraq war, but nobody's supposed to be for the second Iraq war. Um, you know, he, he's just well, uh, Joe Biden. Joe Biden uh, sells foreign policy to the highest bidder, doesn't he? Probably. <laughs> Joe Biden, actually, he has been always in the center of the Democratic Party, not the center of the country, the center of the Democratic Party. Although recently he, he I mean, he's gone way overboard. He's using all this rhetoric trying to put you to sleep that, you know, he's he's uh, senescent. Uh, there, there's all these problems with uh, you know, just the way he talks. But he's got a radical agenda. And I think it's going to bite him right now. I mean, he's, my the thing that I hope for more than anything else is that all these suburban women voters. And yes, I hate you. You suburban women voters. You got So here's the thing. No, because Trump actually did better in the inner city. That's interesting. The so-called racist Trump actually improved in the inner city. But these suburban women who I am not allowed to Donald Trump. Okay. 
I want you, your daughters, to be on soccer teams. And some transgender with, well, of course, I don't look the part, <laughs> knocks your daughter over. And then you run, have her you know, run off and be in you know, Miss te- preteen pageants after that. Because that's, that's part of his radical agenda. Yeah. I mean, they're actually going to let, let preoperative transgender women run in the Olympics. And, and I mean, come on, pre-operative. Okay, th- those aren't races; those are drag races. <laughs> I mean, come on, you're not supposed to be funnier than I. Am. <laughs> uh, I think I think that you should not be allowed to put your feet in the starting blocks until you're ready to face the chopping block. <laughs> <laughs> Muhammad Ali as well with me. That's fantastic. Anyway. Uh, what's what's your favorite karaoke song? Your go-to karaoke song? I want, that's what the thing that I want to ask because Chris, our producer, wanted me to have like five questions to ask people, <laughs> like I'm Craig Kilborn, and I said, "How about one?" Okay, so I, I want to ask uh, Joan Esposito what her go-to karaoke song is. Do you have a go-to karaoke song? Uh, anything by Neil Diamond. Re- well, yeah, that's yeah. cheating you, because you, everybody swings sings yeah. "Sweet Caroline." You know, you know what his favorite newspaper is. USA Today. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. I don't. I don't really do karaoke. I, I think that there's a, probably a special cir- small circle of hell for the guy who invented karaoke. See, I love it. And, I just love uh, it. Yeah. I think. I think that guy's going to spend eternity surrounded by bachelorette singing. Girls <laughs> just want to have fun. <laughs> see, car- see, everybody wants to be a rock and roll star, and that's my. I mean, and I. I Definitely would have wanted to be. The problem is, is that people, when they do karaoke, they kind of like pretend like they don't give it their all. Sure. And you've got to lay it. When I do my go-to song, which is Alanis Morissette's You Ought to Know, uh, and I practically faint halfway through it because it's so long. And I can't actually hit any of the notes, but I do the Rex Harrison talk-sing method of it, you know, like in My Fair Lady. You want to know, you know, and it's, <laughs> I, can't, it, you, you, it's I can't hit any of the notes either. Right. Singing for me is like being naked. It's more fun for but me than anyone com- that has but to sta- watch it. But stand-up comedy is fine. <laughs> yeah. Stand-up fine. comedy is fine. But yeah, singing, that's no problem. All right. Anyway, that's going to be our go-to question that we're going to ask all our guests from here to, to the time this wood rots. And <laughs> that, that's pure Until the, polyethylene. Uh, sure. Yeah. Very, very nice. You know, I, I, I do object to uh, the mention of Butler National in the open because I have played there. And I used to be the guest of uh, the president of Butler uh, all the time. Sure. And there was a controversy over having women there. They, they wanted to host a U.S. Open, and uh, they wouldn't, weren't allowed to. And I told him, if you ever allow women here in here to get a U.S. Open, I am never going to be your free guest here again. <laughs> so that's the kind of threats that I can. So coming up, we have got Joan Esposito. Quick, who is she? I mean, she's on WCPT. What's that? It's on 820 AM. Isn't that the warmth and tenderness of the world's most beautiful music? 76 trombones played by the I, 101 strings. Which I is a little have bit no odd. idea. This yeah. is a podcast. Who listens to the radio anymore? Exactly. Exactly. This is TV, <laughs> podcast, everything else. Okay, do we have to, like, send out music and everything like that? Okay, we do. So it's Bruce and Tim Bagel was your name in grade school. Slagle, <laughs> right here on We Got Wood. an eyewitness news brief brought to you by Commodore and the Chicago Sun-Times. Now here's Joan Esposito. 
Good evening. Tonight, Bensonville police are searching for 18 bottles of poison. The deadly liquid butanasia D was stolen from a Bensonville animal hospital late last night. And tonight, the owner of a Marengo, Illinois slaughterhouse is denying that he butchered and sold diseased cattle, as was charged by the Illinois agricultural officials who yesterday closed his plant. Now this. Become great at Pac-Man and you could be the envy of the neighborhood. Become great at the Commodore Vic Hi, this is uh, Bruce Wolf and uh, Tim Slagle <laughs> in our uh, great podcast. And we welcome Joan Esposito. Joan, uh, before we get to anything, what happened with those Bensonville... Uh, with that Bensonville well, contraband or whatever it was. Bruce, did I don't know if you knew this when you picked that. You know, I got sued over that. Really? There was a huge lawsuit that Channel 7 was a part of um, because, because they said we defamed them. And it was my first time ever being sued. And How I remember many times I sat down sued, with, the ABC, <laughs> with the ABC lawyers and I had... Um, I had rewritten the copy, thank God, because I had written like allegedly and he said or police said allegedly and this. And they looked at it and they said, you're fine. But no, I uh, that company, that meat uh, packing plant wanted to take me to court. Oh, wow. That's uh, well, that's uh, that's great that we had that. We have that one. Uh, that, that, uh, I, Who knew? Did, did you pick that one out? Uh, that's uh, that's two stories, though. There's also the poison story, right? Or is that the same story? Uh, no, the no, poison story slaughter. was different. They did yeah. not sue me. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Did, so one for two isn't bad. Did they ever, uh, did for, they, did yeah. they ever find the poison? Gosh, you know, I should go back. What was that, like 80 years ago? I'll try to dig into those records. How how many other times have you been sued? You said it was the first time you were sued. How many times have you been sued? Um, I was sued also as I did an investigation with Channel 5 when I was there about a doctor who was doing unnecessary surgeries and was um, wildly overcharging his patients, and he sued me as well. Okay, and uh, did you prevail on that one as well? Yes, we did prevail. Okay, very, very good. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us today, Joan. We appreciate it. I don't think, I think I've talked to you once uh, over the last 40 years. We've been like ships passing uh, Totally, in the totally. And I think that was during my first bout of unemployment and broadcasting. This is my second <laughs> one. Uh, it's been six years. and uh, But I, I do have a job as an attorney now. But, uh, yeah, I read about that. Yeah, because You're after a divorce attorney. Uh, no, well, actually, I'm not. Uh, so you got your facts wrong again. I think I'm going to sue you. Uh, <laughs> so, the first time? Huh? What? Wouldn't be the first time. There you go. There you go. And you'd win that one, too. But anyway, uh, so, uh, no, I think in my first bout of unemployment, I called you up because you were running, then maybe you're still doing this, where uh, some media relations kind of thing where you help people. Uh, do you still do that kind of thing? Yeah. No, I don't. Oh, you don't. Okay. There's, they don't need any help anymore because everybody's got a podcast. No, she just doesn't yeah. want you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, that, but that's all we've ever talked. Now, the only other times I've seen you is that I remember uh, for a short time before I became a lawyer, the first, my first tour of duty as a lawyer, I, I was uh, at WXRT filling in for Marge Halperin, who was on pe- pregnancy leave. Wow. And, and yeah, that's how long ago it was. And it was like 1982. And I got to go to City Hall a number of times, and I was in the City Hall press room. You know, guys like Harry Gold and Bob Davis and all these guys. And in walks Joan Esposito, okay, and everybody's quiet. All of a sudden. Oh, and it's like, because she's so striking, 
strikingly beautiful. It was unbelievable. Also, there was contempt because it's like, oh, it's a strikingly beautiful TV chick who gets to, you know, so it was. And wins all her lawsuits. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) It was really terrible. Other time I saw you was at Poplar Creek, I think it was. It was Jonathan Brandt, Johnny B in the leisure suits and Steve and Gary in Teenage Radiation. And they were going to introduce me as Chet Chit Chat. And I got introduced in front of 25,000 people at Poplar Creek. And of course, I insulted the crowd by saying, hey, it's great to be here at Poplar Creek, the Ravinia for the proletariat. They didn't care. They were screaming. But anyway, you were backstage and I my jaw dropped again and it was Joan Esposito. So uh, then the other time was at an Emmy Awards where I didn't win. Uh, the best thing is to win uh, and not be there, which has happened to me. But I, I wasn't there and you got up and you lectured the, all the bosses at the news stations. And I was thinking, what the chutzpah, excuse me, I just spit into this, uh, of this of this woman speaking that way, but you you would speak your mind, Joan. Uh, well, I, um, you know, uh, yeah, sometimes I try, I try not to, most of the time, Bruce, I try to be, just be quiet and polite. You know, I, I try to channel my inner Linda Yu, but Joan Esposito keeps breaking to the surface. Is that an Asian uh, slight? No, she's just the sweetest, kindest. Um, human being, unless you've known her for 20 years, you can't even tell when she's angry. Oh, well, it's, it's so because she's, she's an inscrutable Asian is what you're trying to say, right? <laughs> no, uh, I'm, I'm trying to get you in is, trouble. I'm so, say, saying that she is so much nicer than anybody else I know. I had a couple of experiences because I worked at WLS Radio for a while, if just a few years ago, and I was in the same building as everybody from Channel 7, and I'd bump into her on occasion. And I, I saw her as she was just about to get onto the elevator, and I said, Linda, are you going to do this? And she gets onto the elevator, and the doors are still open. Are you going to do this until you're 80? And she goes, I am 80, and the door. <laughs> So so that's our Linda Yu. So, um, all right, we got to talk, turn this political and get into a big fight, Joan. So um, is there bias in uh, local Chicago media? I believe, of course, there is. And it's all biased in your favor because it's we're all progressives, except me. I'm the Antichrist. When you talk about local media, I think that. I think one problem with all media is that the lines have gotten blurred. I mean, you know, Bruce, like take a look at a newspaper. You've got your columnists, you've got your editorial board, and that there's supposed to be a wall. And then there's the regular news reporting. And I remember when I first was at Channel 7, I don't know if you remember back when Dennis Swanson hired a bunch of people as commentators. And we would throw to Jory Luloff and she would tell us what she thought about something. I think that those lines, not so much at the local level, because I think locally people are still working really hard at separating, but certainly at the national level, it's gotten very blurry. You know, when is it opinion? When is it point of view? When is somebody speaking from their personal experience? And when are they just giving you the who, what, where, when, and why? I actually think local media, whether you're talking about radio or television or newspaper, I think local media are doing a far better job at separating out just the the facts of a story from the commentary on the story than the national media is doing right now. What do you think? I don't. I don't watch local media. <laughs> I don't really care oh. about it. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm a national up. guy. I read National Review online, and that's about it. I, I, I don't want to watch the local TV news because I'm not on it. So I resent them, <laughs> and uh, I don't want to have any. Do you, know, do you, do you watch it at all? 
I understand that. I once auditioned. Uh, you remember that movie Contagion that shot yeah, in the Chicago area? Yeah. I auditioned to be one of the reporters that they hired, and mm-hmm. they didn't hire me. And by God, I've never watched that movie, and I never Oh, will. there you go. And they, they took Floyd Kelber instead, I remember. <laughs> uh, to, uh, to no, I, See, I have problems with things like, I don't know how Channel 5 ever had Carol Marine as its political editor and allowed her to write a radical lefty column for the Sun-Times every week. Could I have been uh, the political editor of Channel 5? Well, of course, I had no political cred at the time. I was just a sportscaster. But assuming that I did have the political cred, uh, they wouldn't allow that. They will allow somebody like Carol to do that because this is a left Democratic kind of town and you don't even see the bias. What do you say to that? Um Well, I I know all I can tell you is that when I worked at seven and when I worked at five, that they they were very careful and wanted to make sure that everything was as fair and balanced as could possibly um, could possibly be. Um, I mean, you know, I. I, to, I really think big... I, you know, I can't speak, Bruce. I've been out of the local television scene yeah. for 20 years well, let now. Let me ask you a so... question: Were you at? Were you at? Uh... Oh, now you make him feel like a youngster, and I've only been out for eight years. <laughs> Last thing I did was give Cheryl Scott a ride home. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. So, uh, were you at Channel Five in 1993 or 92? I believe I. I believe I was, yes. Okay, are you aware? See, you know, Mark Giangreco will talk about the next segment. Uh, Mark Giangreco uh, Giangreco would drop his pants and show his shorts to Carol Marine. What I would have. I never saw that. Why didn't he do that with me? You just didn't rate. So, uh, so, uh, yeah. So I, I would have said to Carol, Carol, do you realize that our star reporter, Paul Hogan, has been accused by the New Republic of spiking a story so that uh, the, uh, the, about Carol uh, Mosley Braun's Medicaid fraud so that to, he could ensure that she be elected the first black female senator to the United States Senate. It was in the New Republic. And she would look at me with her jaw dropping and say, what are you talking about? And then I'd say, well, you're just a combative ditz who doesn't understand what's going on in the world. That that accusation was actually made by the New Republic against Paul Hogan, and nobody even knows about it. That's the thing that really bothers me. I'm not saying even the allegations were true, but that allegation was made, and people were oblivious to it. Ron Majors was oblivious to it. Carol Marine was oblivious because that's the kind of uh, you know bubble that everybody lives in, and it frustrates me a lot. Good to cry. Well, you know, um, I don't know what to tell you. I I knew Paul Hogan a little bit, and he seemed pretty much like a straight arrow to me. But but I I'm curious about that because the New Republic is a very prestigious, you know, it's a it's a big name. And had they made an accusation like that, I I find it hard to believe that nobody knew about it. Nobody. And nobody Ron Majors was it. Ron Majors was like Ron Hunter. On that one. And Ron's a very smart guy. He's probably the best news anchor in the history of Chicago TV. So anyway, I, at least you didn't tell me to shut up like Carol Marine did. She went to, At one point, she said, <laughs> hey, the man the is, is dead. Young. Huh? <laughs> the night is young. Exactly. We got one more segment. Wait till we talk about Gian Greco. Come on. Was I a really better sportscaster than Gian Greco? Come on. 
wasn't it? Oh, uh, well, you know. Yeah, I, right. He's sure. Italian. Yeah. I'm Italian. Exactly. We stick together. Yeah, it's blood. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. blood. <laughs> I totally get that. All right, we're going to come back because I think the Gian Greco situation with Cheryl Burton is illustrative of a major cultural phenomenon. And uh, it's, it'll be interesting to see how a progressive talk radio show host reacts to that one when we come back on the Bruce Wolf and Tim Slagle knockout. Ow! That hurt. NBC Tower. This is Channel 5 News with Warner Saunders and Joan Esposito, John Coleman with weather, and Mark Gian Greco with sports. The Channel 5 News at 4. Good afternoon. I'm Joan Esposito. And I'm Warner Saunders. And I'm not. So, hi. <laughs> Joan Esposito joins us, Bruce Wolf and Tim Slagle. Uh, we need a sports guy, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Warner did sports. You know, yeah. so yeah, yes, I actually got to work with hey, Joan. Thank you for joining us here today. Facts matter, according to Over Your Shoulder, and um, yeah. So this Mark Greco thing happened with Cheryl Burton. Mark gets fired. He's only been in the business for forty years. He gets fired because he made this comment, a joke at the end of a of a newscast that he in an imaginary TV show uh, on the Do It Yourself DIY network, he would have. Uh, uh, Cheryl Burton play the combative and ditzy uh, interior decorator or something like that. She took uh, umbrage and she huh. got him fired. And uh, this is the Walt Disney Company, which, you know, has a trigger warning on Jim Crow, the crow in Dumbo. And apparently Mark Greco is in the same thing as... Well, I uh, think as they that. also hold the copyright to home improvement, so maybe... There, that, there you go. There, oh, that's oh, what it was. Now that's, that was the <laughs> sub-Rosa reason. So, Joan, uh, you got involved in this. I saw a comment in Robert Feeder uh, in which you said, I don't know what she's getting upset about this, Cheryl Burton, that is. Mark, when I was on the air with him, would make fun of my big butt... And first of all, before you say anything, Joan, would you kindly stand up and turn around? Um, no, because it went away when I got old. Really? Now, if I if I stood up and turned around, all you would see is sadness. <laughs> <laughs> so that is that's that's a terrible. I had a beautiful butt, and only I had it when they weren't cool. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Oh, there you go. So, but, the, but I mean, the, the the larger point, and don't try to be funny about this because I want to nail you on this uh, real bad, and I'm not going to, I don't think. But you're siding with Mark. You had him on your show yesterday. I know somebody who actually listened yesterday, and uh, you called him Marky and all that. So your buddy, buddy with him, it's the whole Italian thing, the Italian Channel Five Mafia. And what about your sister in broadcasting? Cheryl Burton, who claims that Mark Greco is a racist and a sexist. And you're okay. on a progressive well, radio all, station. You're, you all, should believe um, that. Hang on. One okay. slight correction. When you set up this segment, you said that Cheryl Burton got him fired. Cheryl Burton didn't like something he said on the air, and she complained to management. But I do not believe in any way, shape, or form she knew how that was going to unspool. How do you know it that? It was not. How do you know? That? I, you have I believe that from what I what you know, I'm not saying that I have all the insider knowledge, but I I believe that that matter, you know, these days with all the crap that's happened at CBS and all of the um, really horrible allegations that have surfaced there and at, at Fox, I think networks have become hypersensitive and they don't want anything that's going to blow up in their face. And I think that the Suits in New York 
took that away from local. And they were like, this is no longer your issue. We're dealing with it at the network level. And, you know, we've decided that all of these things are going to be dealt with a certain certain way. And then it was hysteria. There was hysteria on the part of a total overreaction. And you know who's responsible for that? You, Joan Esposito, and your WCPT commie station. I'm done with you. (laughs) As a matter of fact, I want 820 turned back to the world's most beautiful music. Ralph (laughs) Rowland here. (laughs) Yeah, I I want to hear 76 trombones played by the 101 strings. I believe in you, Percy Faith. Go ahead. You know, it's hard to find it's hard to find the middle ground because as you know, Bruce, and as Mark knows, and as I know, something that you, we all might think is hilarious and we say and we're expecting, you know, hilarity to ensue, not everybody has our sense of humor. Something that you say that I, I could think is hilarious, somebody else might say, well, you know, that Bruce Wolf, he's such a jerk. You know, people are really different, and it's, it's really difficult to satisfy everybody. But I will tell you, as a woman who spent a lot of years in the business— you have no idea the things that bosses have said to me um, and have like don't lose don't that butt tried don't, to do don't to lose me. that butt Joan. no and, I mean it's serious I mean because you were in the era where you know you're walking across the, the city hall uh, newsroom the press room and, and, and all the eyes and, are know, on you with where contempt does, where does, yeah. where, I don't know where the pendulum is gonna go when it's or finally the ones go, stops yeah. but you know sometimes there's not enough reaction to stuff and sometimes there's too much reaction to stuff and that's the world we live in you know um, I personally, when, you know, Mark G. and Greco used to make fun of me. He used to make fun of Carol. But one thing that I knew about him is was he had a great heart. I knew he was trying to be funny. Did it always land? No. But I thought he was funny. My sensibilities weren't offended. But if he had ever offended me, all I know I would have had to do is say to him off the air, you know, that really hurt. And he would have died a thousand deaths. Sure. He didn't want to hurt anybody. I mean, I don't think when you're being funny, you don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to hurt anybody. Do we sometimes do that? Right. Maybe we do. Here, because here, uh, you know, people you, have you filibustered too long and the filibuster is going to be uh, overrun or taken <laughs> down by you Democrats. So, uh, so you can't filibuster anymore. It's gone too far. And I'm saying that as a man, you don't know how bad it was. And if it's gone too far, I would rather live with that than live with the way it was so before. So you'd, you'd rather live with a Mark Greco being unjustly dismissed after 40 years of service to the You Chicago know Mark Greco. Was he ever going to go out any other way, Bruce? Oh, sure Come he was. On. I mean, he was going to hold Come I played on. golf with was, Mark. He was not going to just say, oh, I think I'm going to retire. What do you mean? He, 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 was, he, was, he was old news like 20 years ago. He should have quit 20 years ago. <laughs> but here's the thing. Two years ago, three years ago, he gets suspended for a tweet in which he called Trump voters... Uh, simpletons. And he got suspended for that. Now he gets fired because he sounds like a Trump voter. There are 74 million Trump voters out there. You know, a couple of them attack the Capitol. I understand that. But there's 74 million Trump voters who feel like they've been victimized by black women like Cheryl Burton. Now, you're saying she didn't hope that it went that far. But well, I uh, think I think she's yeah. trying to prevent another lawsuit, actually. I don't uh, think yeah. I don't exactly. think that there's any world in which Cheryl Burton wanted Mark Greco to get fired over that. I, I really don't.
Well, who did she I, complain I really to? I heard that. that she. So, speaking of just scurrilous rumors, I mean, because we're on a podcast, this isn't even real wood. The uh, <laughs> I heard that she went straight to L.A. You say New York, I say L.A. Uh, and uh, and she went above her fungible bosses at uh, Channel Seven, and so that's she set the whole thing in motion. Now you're telling me you hear something else she didn't want it actually to happen. I'm saying I don't think that was her goal. I don't think that she, you know, I mean, you're right. Mark has been somebody who's been suspended periodically throughout his whole career. I think he even once said if he doesn't get suspended every so often, he's not pushing the envelope. Um, <laughs> you know, he pushed no, it for a, t- he pushed it for a TV sportscaster. I mean, because, come on, this is like cutting off your nose to spite your face. He is the single most popular talent in the entire market. I mean, you know that, I know that. What will New Year's Eve be without him? Do you know I actually spent a New Year's Eve with Mark Greco 30 years before he actually even started doing this? He used to, I was at a New Year's Eve party, like 83 or 84 or 82, I don't remember what it was, and was in Evanston. A friend of mine lived there, and nobody showed up to this New Year's Eve party because it was snowing. There was a storm that was going to come. I remember that one. Of course you do. And uh, there was white flakes coming down. No, 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 it was a huge New Year's (laughs) Eve. It was okay. There we go. It was the waist high snow. So, so uh, my wife and I are the only nincompoops who actually go to this party. (laughs) At about ten minutes to midnight, it's like a Saturday night. We this little Italian sports car is trying to make its way through the snow (laughs) and get into his driveway, and it's Mark Giangreco because he was the next door neighbor of this guy. So. And I'm not a big guy or anything like that, and my friend wasn't big either, but it was a little Italian sports car. So we, we were able to push Mark Giangreco's, and I introduced myself to Mark, and he said he had heard of me. I guess I was on the loop at the time or something like that. And uh, that's how – so I spent New Year's Eve with Mark Greco. So I like Mark, but I think he's been hoisted by his own petard because, you know, you, you can't start accusing Trump voters of being the very thing that you are, and he's now a victim of, of the whole thing, Joan. And I don't see how you, as a progressive radio show host – who believes in identity politics, all of a sudden they're making an exception for the for the Italian mafia. So now, wait a minute, before you wanted me to trash Cheryl, now you switched and you want me to trash Mark? I'm, I'm an attorney. I want, trash trash every, I want you to trash... Just tell me. I'll do whatever you want. I want, you to, here, I want you to trash Mark. I want you to trash Cheryl. I want you to trash Carol Marine, the late Paul... All right, we'll leave him. Ex- he's exempt, Paul Hogan. He's not here anymore. He's not here to defend himself. Neither is anybody else. All right, I, this is our go-to question, Joan. Huh? here. Oh, there you go. I'm with you. What's your go-to karaoke song, Joan? It's our one question that we ask all our guests. When you sing karaoke. I I thought you were going to ask me if I were going to name a horse for the Kentucky Derby, what would the horse name be? That was what I was prepared for. Oh, my goodness. Um, Karaoke song, something easy to sing that is not real high, not real low. Okay, well, go ahead and do it. Give us a few bars of it right now, acapella. Go ahead. Pardon me? Give us a few bars of your favorite karaoke song, acapella. Go ahead. I've never sung karaoke in my life. Well, this is, there's always a first time. This yes. is your maiden voyage. I would recommend tequila. There you go. <laughs> Joan, How- come on. We've got like 20 seconds here. Go and do, uh, sing a song for us. Little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh, don't let me stop you. Don't let me stop you. Keep going. This little, come on, Tim. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. 
Go ahead, Joan. Uh, no, I, ahead. I did that. Oh, That's as good, good as I, I think I just got a hernia. <laughs> so, Joan, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, you've, you know, parried every one of my rye posts or rye I posted every one of my parries, and uh, so you're very difficult. I owe you one, so if you ever need a sports guy for WCPT, I don't pay attention to the sports anymore. But <clears throat> Well, um, you know, um, we would love to have you on to do sports. The only problem is uh, WCPT probably wouldn't pay you enough <laughs> to bring you out. That's what they all say. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's progressive. All they're going to cover is cricket and soccer. There we go. Of course, the commies. <laughs> Thank you, Joan. Thank you so much. Thank Appreciate you, it. Bye-bye. Bye. Bruce Wolf and Tim Slagle back here on the broadcast. <laughs> Thank you, Biff, our staff announcer. I throw my voice. You know, you ever, that's, that's pretty good. Do you remember Cliff Mercer, the uh, the uh, staff announcer who had the lisp for WGN? He, uh, they had a staff announcer who had a lisp, and his name was Cliff Mercer. And Gary Meyer used to do this Cliff imitation. Oh, I did okay. an imitation of Cliff, of his imitation. But uh, the real Cliff Mercer would go, and now it's time for Make Room for Daddy. Brought to you by <laughs> Salerno Butter Cookies. So, you know, I thought I'd I do always it. Liked, uh, I, I always liked uh, Tom Brokaw's little, little inflection. I, somehow I think that that's, what, that's why Bush invaded Fallujah. It was just because <laughs> right. he, wanted, he wanted to hear Brokaw say, well, Fallujah. I, really, yeah, we'll get that Brokaw. We'll get him bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I. Right. I, how did, people with speech impediments having, uh, you know, great broadcasting careers. Yeah, it used to be they could just it. work cartoons, but now. There, there you go. Broadcasting careers. So let's turn to the Sportlight Spotlight. I love how the major leagues got caught on a, out on a limb. They moved their all-star game to Denver. I think the Oscars were held in Denver, too, if I'm not mistaken, because nobody saw it and nobody cared about it. But they moved their, their the all-star game to Denver, and now everybody else is, like, running away from Major League Baseball. You have like, Stacey Abrams, you know, this radical who thinks the sure. election was stolen from her in Georgia, and it wasn't. She was originally behind all the boycott, but then she realized this is going to affect Georgians. So she actually had USA Today... Talk about a corrupt media. USA Today redid it, a, a, an op-ed that she did to make it look like she wasn't in favor of the <laughs> boycott when she actually even though, was. Even, even though she contacted She them. was before. She contacted she the, contacted the owners. Or, no, yeah. Right, right. And so USA Today is corrupt. Stacey Abrams is corrupt. Major League Baseball can go to hell. Are oh, you yeah. going to watch the All-Star game this year? Yeah, I, I don't like baseball. Oh, so you never <laughs> watch it anyway. Yeah. No. I, I mean, I love it. They've gone down to seven innings now. I mean, it's great. See, I didn't, I did not, I didn't even know that. It, 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 baseball is woke. Is that, is that what it is? That's what they want to be. You know, yeah. you, you know that makes no sense because I would always use it for a Saturday afternoon nap. There we go. There we go. <laughs> but I thought the Cleveland Indians were going to change their name to the Cleveland baseball team. It's a transition. You know, they're in the transition. They, don't, they haven't lost their testicles yet. They're in transition <laughs> like the Washington football team. Yeah. I love it like when Jim Nance occasionally on the CBS broadcast goes, the Redskins, ah! and, you know, and then they give him an electric shock because he said the name. But I thought the Indians weren't – Chris, weren't the Indians going to change their name? I th they are changing their name next year. Oh, to what? They got rid of all of the Indian oh, okay. logos and name. But they didn't but transition they, to call themselves the Cleveland baseball yeah, team. They're, they're it's going to be, be too sudden for me. They are still uh, pre-op. I mean, I'm going to be in mid-Tomahawk shop next year. Oh, that's Atlanta. They're going to be, be the Cleveland Savages. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. They're going to do something. So I, here's the one, like, making it local. I don't know how the Blackhawks get away. 
with calling themselves the Blackhawks anymore. You get these guys wearing a Native American emblem, okay? And they're pulling somebody's pulling their sweater over their head with the with the emblem on it and they're pummeling them if that doesn't reinforce stereotypes <laughs> about Native Americans. And and yet there's there's st- why are the Blackhawks exempt? I don't get that at all. Are they and the they, Land of Lakes Butter Girl? They, I mean, you know. Are they playing fran- franchise rights? I, 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 you know yeah. what they did to the Land O'Lakes Butter Girl? This yeah. is this is fascinating yeah. to me because every I mean she was my first love. Oh, every kid our yeah. age <laughs> knows what you could do with a Land O'Lakes Butter yeah. Box, right? If right. you if you fold it just right. <laughs> this is going oh, this is over the air UHF television. You can't talk about that. The Land O'Lakes Butter Girl. I, yeah. I actually heard somebody say that the guy who designed it knew. That loved the mad fold-ins, did that on purpose. Oh, there you and go. And it was on the box for years, and every grade school you boy be... knew. And, and what they did was was uh, was a couple of years back, was about four or five years ago. They got they cut her off her knees, so you couldn't so you couldn't do it. And they anymore. cut us off uh, at it, the about, knees about as well. About the same time it came out on YouTube that you showed you how to do it. Exactly. Is Land Lakes finally said. Oh, we didn't know people were doing. I don't that. even know what to put on my pancakes anymore because there's no longer uh, there's no longer butter and there's no longer Aunt Jemima syrup anymore. I, I, I forgot what they're called now. Uh, there was uh, Pearl Milling Company or something uh, like see, that. Yeah, yeah. you're really too uh, woke if you know the actual <laughs> name of it. Um, I was at a wedding a few years ago. Uh, one of my nephews was getting married, and they were. This was at the time of Adele's Rolling in the Deep which to me sounds like the Ham's Beer commercial uh, and the Indian chant. We could have had it from the land of all the land of sky. And I start going, woo, singing, dancing around. I embarrassed all my children because rolling in the deep sounds like if you listen to it, and we'll dub this in later, it, we could have had it all done, the land of sky blue. What You'd think it's, it's, it's an Indian war chant, but you can't say that. You can't do that anymore. And Jimmy Kimmel can't do... Uh, uh, Carl Malone in blackface anymore. It's terrible. It's terrible, the things that you can't do. But, yeah, that's uh, – is that our sports look? Uh, yeah, I think we've pretty much covered um, sure. the um, the uh, the whole sport light spotlight there. Uh, I Oh, what I do love is the NBC Olympics theme is Imagine. John Lennon's Imagine. Well, have you ever listened to the – unfortunately, we all have listened to the lyrics. Imagine there are no countries. Well, who's going to get the award? Oh, well, just be, yeah. one, be one country, just China. Just. Uh. <laughs> I always thought – remember when we lost the Olympic bid in 2009? <laughs> Mayor Daly, we'd been trying it for, for two years. Yeah. And Mayor Daly had said before that, why don't they just have it, uh, you know, in, the, in one country all the time? And it, when they finally had it in Beijing in 2008, where they had fake fireworks – there were fakes. They were just computer-generated. George Lucas could have put on the Olympics. <laughs> it was just all fake. So if you're just going to have a setting, Beijing could hold it every year and say it's Paris. Say it's, you know, has a nice wood <laughs> background here do it, like do we it, have. Do it in front of the green screen. Totally, and, uh, totally. Put an Eiffel Tower behind them sometimes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just well, you know, some of, we've advanced a little bit, though, I think. Uh, you know, I, I hate to have say that I have a little bit of a bleeding heart because... You know, like Mike Royko. Do you remember Royko? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so he's like the greatest columnist of all time. Somebody sent me a copy of a column that he wrote where he's getting mad at, like, an Iranian cab driver. And he's calling this guy, like, in the column, a towel head. I mean, you just can't. So we're... I mean, I think we've gotten a little soft, but in some ways it's it's okay because you really... 
you know, they, and that's Royko, you know, the greatest of all time. He, but he but would have been would have been fired today, right? Have... But 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 on the other hand, you've got like um, Lin Manuel Miranda, and I finally saw Hamilton. You know, did you see Hamilton? I I about five the first five minutes. <laughs> That's well, I, I mean, wait, did, you didn't actually pay the, for the tickets and then leave. You watched it on television. Yeah, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I watched it on Disney Plus. Sure. But, you know, I, I was not uh, au courant. I wasn't part, you know, you, you know, you measure your status by whether you've seen Hamilton. It was at least a couple of years ago. Did, have you seen Hamilton? How many times? Where were your scenes? Um, Hamilton you, reminded me mm-hmm. of that of that history teacher that would come into class <laughs> with right. a rap right. he just wrote to right. try to to try right. to connect with the kids. It was actually see, I actually enjoyed it because I watched it on Disney Plus with closed captions so I could actually get the words uh, because I know people who you've gotta. You've got to listen to the album 15 times and then go say, oh, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to do that. (laughs) But poor Lin-Manuel Miranda, he's not he's passe because what is he doing? He's celebrating George Washington. So when when, of course, we want to destroy the Washington Monument, we want to take down Mount Rushmore, which reminds me of when Tucker Carlson had Tammy Duckworth, Senator Tammy Duckworth. Uh, on, and he criticized her, claiming that she wasn't patriotic because she actually was flirting with the notion that we should tear down Mount Rushmore. And, of course, I tweeted at the time, well, I mean, Tucker doesn't have a leg to stand on with her on that one, <laughs> but, which, was, which was okay. But she then said, she said, hey, look, Tucker, I mean, I gave up my legs as, you know, as a combat warrior, I mean, how can you question my patriotism? Well, that's kind of the Tammy Duckworth yeah. thing. Is uh, I'm a U.S. veteran and I lost my leg, so you can't say anything about me. Right. It's uh, oh, and she wanted to breastfeed in the Senate chamber and everything. The great sucking sound wasn't our jobs <laughs> leaving Ross Perot. It was your your. Come on, we don't want that. Well, yeah, it's a, all in favor. I. How many how many people don't want to be on the teat of the Senate? You know. <laughs> she only has two. It's going to make everyone else jealous. You know, my short-term memory is so bad that I don't remember if I asked you earlier what your go-to karaoke song was. Did I? <laughs> on this air? Yeah, we did. Okay, we, did. we went over that. Chris, did we ask you what yours was? Uh, Johnny Cash, usually Walk the Line. Walk the Line. Oh, yeah, you're Neil Diamond. That's right, Walk the Line. Easy stuff, not very, very difficult. All right, so in conclusion, uh, I believe Joe Biden, we've... Determined today that Joe Biden is a douche. Sure. And I, I mumbled that, okay? And I said it through a screen. <laughs> and so I think it can go out there, especially if I use my double screen COVID mask and say, Joe Biden is a douche. I, I can say that. It's safe. Um, I think you could base it on having the middle name Robinette, right? Oh, my goodness. That is his middle name? You did not know that? You know, he was the number one uh, graduate of Syracuse Law School with the name Robinette. Uh, on the other hand, he was 77th out of 83. I, I, I mean, oh, my goodness. It's I mean, a, how did, But that's what it takes. That's what it takes. And a, people think he's an, oh, he's just, you know, adult-pated, whatever, but he's, he's a nice guy. He's not a nice man. He's never been a nice he's guy. He's not a he nice man. He tried to man. destroy Clarence Thomas. He destroyed Robert Bork. He, he made to... fun of the guy who got into a car accident, which killed the, his wife and first and child, Joe Biden's kid, and said the guy had dr- dr- drunk his lunch. It was a total fabrication. Sure. The guy went to his, to his death 
feeling bad, not only that he was involved in an accident, but that Joe Biden was libeling and they had to beg. I mean, that's as evil as anything that Trump has ever done. Sure. Yeah. It, it was, uh, uh, from what I understand, it was his wife that actually, she was actually. Yeah, right, right, right. Doesn't matter. The truth doesn't matter, except right here <laughs> on the Bruce Wolf and Tim Bagel or Slagle Show.